Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Welcome to the basement, guys. A beautiful day in the beautiful month of May. What is the NFL rivalry that should be better? It's not great right now. It has the potential to be better. It has two electric quarterbacks, and I hope it is better this season. I'll get into that. Plus, the NFC quarterback whose team believes in him, despite a lot of losing, a guy I believe in too. Plus, did you see the NFL star who just learned that Titanic, the, the tragedy, the sinking of the ship, was a real thing, and it was not part of James Cameron's imagination. It really happened, and this player, who I really like, just admitted that he just found that out. The Titanic really sunk? We have to get into that, um, plus all kinds of things. We're going to go to the Kyle Brandt's basement answering machine to get into a few things. We're going to keep everybody posted of the, of the breaking news, if there is any. It's what we do here in the basement. We also do what I love, what I hate, and what is hilarious. Come on. Uh, the Chicago Bears ended the 2022 NFL season losing 10 games in a row. They were the worst team in football. They did not finish with the worst record because of an unthinkable thing that the Houston Texans decided to try to do with their head coach, ex-Bears head coach, Lovey Smith. But the Bears were really the worst team in the league. And yet, they are rallying around their quarterback, who was the face of that 10-game losing streak. They believe in Justin Fields. They did not do anything outlandish, like try to get rid of him and keep the number one pick and... Draft Bryce Young, they did not do that. And in a recent interview, their GM, Ryan Poles, spoke to my colleague, Cynthia Freeland, and said that once we traded that pick, we brought Justin in and we involved him in the draft and we're talking about him at all our personnel in the future and we believe in Justin. We are rallying around Justin. And I'll say this, you're damn right you believe in him. You better believe in him. It is the right thing to do. And I mean that. That is the professional thing to do, to support that man, to rally behind that man, and to give him everything you can possibly give him. Because the Bears in the first two years of Justin Fields' career have given him almost squat. Squat. Bubkiss, diddly, zilch. All they have given him is uh, a target on his chest, face, head, back, butt, legs, anywhere that says, hit me. Just run right the hell into me with anything you want, your shoulder, your head, the team bus, the team plane, anything. Just hit the ever-living crap out of me because I can't stop you from it and I have no linemen who are going to protect you from doing it either. Do you remember when the Bears drafted him and he came up and held up the jersey? And as he was holding up the jersey on stage, uh, a lion, a Viking, and a Packer in full pads and full uniform just tackled him right off the stage. That was the beginning of his career. And if there's any chance that Justin Fields could escape the 56 defenders somehow allowed on the field to hit him every single play, if he allowed to, it was allowed to use his incredible athleticism and speed and awareness to evade them, good luck throwing anybody. Because, my God, let me tell you how few targets we have. Look, I like Darnell Mooney as much as the next guy. I've met him. I've sat with him. He's a great guy. He's a talented young player. There needed to be some help, and they got him some help. Are you aware right now? The all-time leader in Bears history in receiving <laughs> has about 5,000 yards. His name's Johnny Morris. He's a legendary Bear from about 50 years ago. He became a great broadcaster. 5,000 yards and change is the Bears' career record. Nobody's ever had more. Willie Galt, 
Dennis McKinnon, Dennis Gentry, Curtis Conway, Marty Booker, Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, Walter Payton. They've never had more at any position, tight end, receiver, anywhere. Mike Ditka, nobody. 5,059 yards, the all-time leader for the Bears. Do you know that currently DJ Moore, who is in his mid-20s, already has more receiving yards than the best Bear to ever do it, and the Bears have been around for damn near 110 years. That is the deficiency in their receiving caliber, in their quarterback caliber, and everything. That's why they brought him in, because Justin Fields can't be out there with guys off the street, with blockers off the street. I love that they're doing this, because there was a sense of, I don't know if Justin Fields has it. I really don't. Do you remember his rookie year? You didn't probably see much of it. The Bears were bad. It was the last year of Matt Nagy, and it was like a snuff film. It, it, Justin Fields could not take a snap from center. Every single time he would take a snap from center, it was like there were six guys doing the full Palomalu and jumping over the center and landing inside his pads. It was nuts. Do you remember the game they played against the Browns where Miles Garrett had 26 sacks in the first quarter against them? It was unbelievable. I, I didn't know if I was going to see him survive that game, Justin Fields. He did. He kept getting up. And here's what I love about Justin Fields. If you want to sit here and say, oh, he's not an accurate enough passer. He's not going to be an NFL quarter. It's any, any sort of critique you want to say, I'm not even going to argue right now. He is tough as hell, and he keeps his mouth shut. In all of those 3,000 hits he took in the first quarter of his first game, and all the ones since then, he has never once thrown a lineman under the bus. He has never even so much as thrown a mouth guard after another sack. He's never screamed at the sideline, never screamed in the huddle. He keeps his mouth shut, and he keeps trying and trying and trying, and you damn well better help this man. It's like he doesn't even need helping. A lot of quarterbacks need helping. Justin Fields needs rescuing. He needs saving as if he is a hostage, as if he is down in, in Buffalo Bill's pit. Help him. Get him something. I love that they're doing this. So what do they do? DJ Moore. Spend the first pick on an offensive lineman, a huge tackle. There was this rumor they were going to take Jalen Carter, this guy who might fall on. No, 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 no. They were taking a lineman. I wish they would have taken a lineman with every single draft pick. Just take him. Because there's some buzz on Justin Fields at certain parts. Our guy Dan Orlovsky thinks he's going to be getting MVP talk next year when, he's, when the games start. Remember, the biggest asset right now in terms of how the Bears offseason could have gone, the best thing that could have ever happened to them is not bringing in a player, it's not trading for a player, it's not getting draft picks. It is Aaron Rodgers getting the hell out of the NFC North and them never having to see his bearded face coming into Soldier Field, which he owns again. It's time for a new quarterback to own that stadium, and preferably one that is employed by the team that owns the stadium, meaning the Bears. I love that they're doing this. I love that polls, Matt Eberflus, who is in the conversation for lowest profile head coaches out of 32, are saying, Justin, this is the year. This is the year. Because I'll tell you what, they better win this year. They got the receiver. They don't have a brand new head coach. They don't have a brand new quarterback. They added to the offensive line. They got running backs. This offense better click. Same coordinator, same deal. I'm sitting here making excuses. He had no receivers, he had no alignment. That's fine for a couple of years. This year, the Bears need to be sitting around on that playoff cusp or maybe it doesn't work. Tough, tough season for the Bears. Intriguing team, intriguing division, really intriguing player. Massive, super tall, talented guy. I sat with Justin Fields last year at training camp. Very smart, very sharp, very attentive. Just impressive physical specimen. I'm not naive about that stuff. I get to be around these athletes a lot. They're all huge. They're all strong. That guy is built. Big old calves and forearms and hands. He's a vegan. 
vegan, no meat, no nothing, just built. And now so are the Bears. I really believe they are built. They're, yes, they're my childhood team, my hometown team. I don't really play much of a bias. You don't talk me, see me talk much bears in the basement. I love what they're doing. I love how they're going about it. I think it's gonna work for them next year. Justin Fields, for the love of God, didn't need help. He needed a rescue. Like he's on top of his roof with an SOS written on it and they sent him a ladder. Thank God. It's the best thing the Bears could have done. Are they going to win? I don't know. But they're going about it right. And I love it. Let's go to, to what I hate. A lot of talk this week about rivalries. What's the best NFL rivalry? You guys had a lot of thoughts in it. I have a lot of thoughts about it. Not only historically, but just right now, a lot of heat on Chiefs-Bengals really recently has been awesome. Chiefs-Bills has come up. I submitted Dolphins-Bills. A lot of love over the last 20 years for Steelers-Ravens. We can continue to debate what the best rivalry is in the NFL right now, but I'll tell you what the best rivalry should be in the NFL. And if you were to slide a little bet across the table and invest in a rivalry, if you were to buy season tickets for one rivalry of the next five years, it should be... Chiefs Chargers. That should be the rivalry, and I wish it was, and I hope that it will be. It is not currently. It is not. It is Patrick Mahomes versus the Chargers, and it is not as good as it could possibly be for a variety of reasons I want to get into now. You know, I was talking to Peter Strager in Good Morning Football this morning, and he lists all these, these Chargers targets and uh, tight ends and receivers and everything that they've brought in to try to build this unstoppable offense. They're all really big, really tall guys. That's obviously what the Brandon Staley likes. It's what they like there in the Chargers. And Peter said, look at this. They've built a basketball team. And I said, that's great. Those guys are 6'2", 6'3", 6'5", whatever. They've built a basketball team. The Chiefs have Jordan. I don't care how good your basketball team is. Jordan will find a way to beat you. And the Jordan, of course, is Mahomes, the player of mass destruction in the NFL. I'd love to get seduced by the Chargers and say, look at Herbert, look how cool he is, look how big, look how tall, look how great his hair is, look at his arm, look at those uniforms, look at the new stadium. The Chargers should be a story right now. They really should. And then they make the playoffs last year and they just really defiled themselves in the second half is the only way to put it. It's an unthinkable, unfathomable playoff loss as they're coasting into the divisional round. It all just falls apart. But fine. Moving forward, I really want them to compete with the Chiefs. Isn't the NFL a more interesting place if the Chiefs just don't moonwalk to another division title next year? I don't know if it's coming from the Raiders. I don't know if it's coming from the Broncos. I know it should be coming from the Chargers. And I'm not here to just say, Chiefs, 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 this is boring, resign. I'm trying, and I'm working here to try to get some intrigue in that division. Because it should be the best division in the league, and the Chargers are the best chance that it will be. Here's the optimism you have for the Chargers, that maybe they could do something about Mahomes. They're two best defensive players. The players specifically designed to stop Mahomes and to stop Travis Kelsey are Derwin James and Joey Bosa. Derwin James, Joey Bosa. They've been playing on the Chargers together since 2018. It is currently 2023. They have only had four games where both of those players have been on the field against the Chiefs, who they play twice a year, every single year. They've only had four games with Derwin and Bosa against Mahomes and Kelsey. In those games, the Chargers are two and two. They're 500 against the Mahomes, Andy Reid machine. And they're really good wins, all right? Go back 2018. Chargers win 29 to 28. 
Chiefs offense held under 300 total yards when Bosa and Derwin James are out there. 2019, the Chiefs win by 10, but Patrick Mahomes only has 174 yards. He has an interception. 2021, the Chargers win by six. Chiefs, four turnovers. Mahomes, two interceptions. And then the other game, 2022, last year, week two, a crazy game which the Chiefs scored 20 straight points, and there was a really long defensive touchdown scored by the Chiefs against the Chargers. The average margin of victory you think that Mahomes has against the Chargers in his career, what do you think it is? 11? Is it 13? Is it something crazy like 17? It's six. It's a one score. Mahomes' record at Arrowhead Stadium against the Derwin James-Joey Bosa combination. Yeah, two losses. Two, two. Both those losses that they've had with those guys, with the Chiefs they had against those guys, are at Arrowhead. So the Chargers can win there. They can turn over Mahomes. They can stop the Chiefs' machine. They just usually can't beat them. The games are very close. Very close. It's just almost every single time the Chiefs win. So back to the Jordan comparison. It's great. It was very close with the Knicks. It was very close with the Pacers. Very close with the Jazz. Very close with the Cavs. Jordan won. You got to beat him. It'd be fascinating if somehow we're looking at next year and the Chiefs are in the wild card and Patrick Mahomes plays his first ever road playoff game, especially if he plays it at SoFi Stadium, not for the Rams, for the Chargers. I don't expect it. And I've said this many times. I don't want to hear all this that the Chiefs have been cut off with. I don't. But it'd be fun to see. I don't predict it. I don't expect it. I think the Chiefs will win the West. But damn it, Chargers. I feel like we got something all invested in you just to make this thing interesting for the sake of parody, to flip the table. If the Chargers were to win the West next year, it would seem surreal. It's totally possible and feasible. They have great players. But can you honestly see it or do you just see the Chiefs red march right through that division again? I want that rivalry to be better. We're sitting here scrambling. What is the best rivalry? Is it Chiefs-Bills? Is it Chiefs-Bengals? We're trying to shop and sell so hard teams outside the West who the Chiefs don't even play every single year. It should be right there. It should be the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers, a growing vocal fan base. I hope it happens. I don't expect it. They haven't given me a reason to expect to, but they're there in striking distance. Please make this a rivalry. Make Chargers Chiefs the one every single time when the schedule comes out. We say, when is that? When is that in prime time? Put that on Thanksgiving. Put that on Christmas. Do it. Herbert, Mahomes, we should be watching them for the next 10 years. Herbert and Allen is great. Herbert and Burrow is great. All that stuff. Mahomes, Burrow, Mahomes, all of them. Match up the AFC quarterbacks wherever you want. I want Mahomes and Herbert to become a thing. And they won't unless the Chargers can, couple, can win a couple more. Come on. Hold these out. I hate that you can't, but I'm hoping you will. Let's move to what's hilarious. Wildly different topic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We spent a lot of time in the fall talking about my favorite NFL player tweet of all time, and it had to do with a movie. And LaShawn Shady McCoy saw 
Avengers Endgame before 99.9% of the world and tweeted out the spoiler, the main character who dies in it, spoiling it effectively for millions and millions of people who had so much invested. It's really funny to me. And LaShawn is funny when he talks about it. But there is a new contender in the clubhouse for my favorite player tweet. It also has to do with the movie. Ravens defensive back Marlon Humphrey, who is one of the best personalities in the league, one of the most outspoken guys, gets really fun on Twitter, recently tweeted this. Just have a look at this. He tweets, Was today years old when I found out the Titanic was real? That's wild low-key. <laughs> All right, Marlon. Let's address the second part first. That's wild low-key. It's wild low-key that you didn't know the Titanic was real. It's definitely not low-key wild that a ship sunk and, like, I don't know, thousands of people I died, I think. Whoever couldn't get the lifeboat. There's not a ton that's low-key about any of this. Uh, that's where I'll put it. And when you say the Titanic, you're talking about the ship, right? Are you talking about the movie? Because I feel like the movie is intimately involved in this. I'm assuming Marlon Humphrey knows the movie, the DiCaprio Winslet movie, and just thought it was just the story. Yeah, they're all on a ship. They leave from the one coast. They hit the iceberg. There's some Celine Dion and a necklace and some sweaty car sex. And uh, that's a great story. Everybody goes home. It, it did happen, it's documented, it's based on a true story, not inspired by a real event, it, it happened. The Titanic is a real piece of history, uh, much of it American history, because they were headed to America. So that's the bad news. And I have more, Marlon. Remember when Josh Hartnett and Ben Affleck were running around trying to shoot those planes in Hawaii and out of nowhere, Cuba Gooding was on the ship and he's firing this big gun. And then there's Kate Beckinsale's falling in love with two guys. And, you know, one of them, like, goes and she thinks he's dead. And she immediately gets with, like, his best friend. That's a little weird. I hate to tell you, but that attack that they depicted on the um, Pearl Harbor, that happened too. It was, a, it was an infamous day, That's as the president said at the time. That did happen. They did surprise attack to Hawaii. And it was a terrible, terrible day. I don't know if you're a Costner guy, Marlon Humphrey, probably not, uh, or an Oliver Stone guy, definitely not, but they once did a movie about uh, our president that we had in the early 60s. He was a Democrat from Massachusetts, and a terrible thing happened one time when he went to Dallas where he did not survive the trip, and that was depicted in the movie JFK. A lot of theories about how he didn't survive the trip, uh, a lot of really saucy ones and really... Um, really popular ones, that also happened. The president was uh, killed, I hate to say it, but he was uh, back in the early 60s. Um, I don't know if you're a Mel Gibson guy, betting definitely not, not many people are, but he did a movie once called The Passion of the Christ. Pretty heavy content, <laughs> tough ending. Uh, some graphic things get done to this gentleman and um, at the end of it, he doesn't survive either. I think that was also real. That That's sort of a philosophical if that happened or not. But I, I also, most, most people I think in the world think that happened. So if you ever see that movie, The Passion of the Christ, know now that it is also based by uh, real things. 
And I think worst of all, um, there's a football movie about Notre Dame football, and there's this annoying little kid who was a like a tackling dummy scout teamer and he eventually got admitted to the school and he eventually got on the team then he eventually got to play it down and i think everyone at the time thought it was a big joke but they made a really dramatic movie out of it with the guy who helps frodo bring the ring that also was real so if you're a rudy guy that did happen all right so bad news about all those pearl harbor jfk uh jesus and rudy those are things those are real things I do, have, I do have some good news. Miracle. The U.S. did beat the Soviet Union in hockey, if you like that movie. That's true. Ali, you ever see that movie with Will Smith where he's a boxer? I got to tell you, Muhammad Ali, real guy. Real guy, huge figure in sports and society. Had a prolific boxing career. Really, really good. Used to show up at the Academy Awards sometimes. He was a really like a, an icon. Um, you like Tobey Maguire? Bad news, Spider-Man not real. Seabiscuit, very real. Very real, it's a real horse. You might think, there's no way there was a horse named Seabiscuit. What does that mean? I don't know. But the horse was named Seabiscuit, that's real. And um, Apollo 13. You ever hear that phrase, Houston, we have a problem? They did have a problem. That was a real space shuttle with real astronauts that had a whole big problem up there in space and they were talking to Houston ground control. But that happened, and thankfully they all survived. So that sounds like a bad thing, but it's a good thing because you learn from it, and you're in the space race, and you're competing, and it's high stakes. But they all survived, they all made it home, everybody got to see their family again. So Miracle, Ali, Seabiscuit, and Apollo 13, all real, all good news. But the other ones, I, I wish I could tell you Pearl Harbor wasn't real. It's definitely real, and Titanic for sure uh, happened. I can't speak about Jack Dawson, I don't think he's real. Rose DeWitt Bucator, seems like kind of an indoor girl, also an imaginary girl, both the old version and the young version. If you need any clarity at all, or if you want, I, I maybe it's a spoiler alert that it really happened, but it did happen. Uh, Titanic was real. I can't, Bill Paxton, I don't think, was looking for a real necklace ever. And um, I'm not sure about a lot of the things that happened on the ship in terms of like Rose goes up on her toes and dances and chugs beer and all that, but you better believe that ship sunk. It really did. In fact, if you've seen the movie, you know they go down in a submarine and they see the actual wreckage of the ship. Did you think they made that up too? Who knows? Much younger man than I, much just different generation. Probably was not alive when Titanic came out in 97, but Marlon, one of the best personalities there are. And um, you, you tweet with a lot of humor and a lot of heart and your heart will go on. Just like Celine said uh, and that on the Titanic movie. You've seen it. Thank you very much. And thank you for the laugh and thank you for the humor. Um, but it, it was also real and so is my sincere thank you. Uh, let's move on to something that's always real and that is the insight, truth, takes, and perspective of producer Michael Flynn and something that we call rant awareness. All right, and there he is, uh, from what I understand, fresh from a children's singing concert. How was it, Flynn, and what was the uh, set list? 
The singing concert was great. When you have as many children as I do, uh, you tend to be at those for a long time. If you only have one kid in a school, you yourself have two, you can probably get in a little late or leave mm -hmm. a little early once your kids have done. It's outdoors, which was hot today. Uh, not me. I have a kindergartner, I have a third grader, and I have a fourth grader, and this school is kindergarten through fourth grade. So I was there at the very beginning. I was there till the very end, holding a toddler the entire time too. Uh, for the set list, uh, songs from The Greatest Showman is still big now. Uh, Coco, mm. Uh, mm. Song, songs like that, all good stuff. I think you tap into something interesting about parental etiquette because I was at my six-year-old, she had a little ice skating performance recently and we show up and they give you the program and the program I mean, it's got to have 90 acts in it or something like that. Now, thankfully, my daughter was like act six, but I just figured we were settling in. We're going to watch her and then, oh my God, we're just going to sit here. And they were very cute, but very tedious, including my own daughters. But the second she got off the ice, Brooke looked at me. She's like, all right, let's go. I'm like, can we do this? Is this not rude to leave? Do, is it frowned upon? Let's say you only had someone in the front of the program. Is it frowned upon to leave and not support the rest of the kids? I don't know. Absolutely not. Speaking as a veteran of events like these, okay, uh, yeah. get, get out of there. Uh, I did it <laughs> when my kids were younger. Uh, now when my kids are the oldest one, it's nice that you are leaving, especially because the kindergarten parents are the ones who like want to get up close in front and like yeah, get there yeah. really, really early. So by the time the fourth grade is going, like you've got 10 empty rows in front of you. You can just move on up. Mm. You can take pictures. They can actually see you when they're waving. Uh, so yes, I completely allow you to leave after your child has performed. It is absolutely all right. Awesome. You don't feel like your child as a fourth grader is, is getting a lesser audience or they should stick there and support your, you don't really care if they support your child. It's more that you support your child. That's a great perspective, Flynn. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally good with it. Uh, let's get into the headlines, okay. shall we? Sure. Uh, quarterback news off the field yesterday. Matt Ryan tweeted that he'll be joining CBS Sports as an NFL analyst this season. He insisted in the tweet that this isn't a retirement post, although he's already done the Colts year of the senior quarterback circuit. Kyle, let's keep it on the field. What do you make of Ryan's career? It's tough. Great things. Great quarterback. And I mean that. Great. Great quarterback. There is... I really don't think there's many, you know, quarterbacks entering the league who wouldn't want to have his career. And listen, I know there's the headlines about the 28 to 3 and all that stuff, but this guy played for over a decade. He's in the top 10 all time touchdown passes. He won MVP of the NFL. It's great, and yet it's not that simple. Um, I really wish he hadn't played the Colts season ugly final season just really bad uh, the last five years he had in the league a half decade never won more than seven games so it's tough right there but i just look at matt ryan as he was a b he was a really good b he is he was playing in an era with a lot of a's and a couple a pluses and he was never going to be them even in mvp year he had some really nice stats but honestly you look back at that mvp year it was a, it was a it was a it was a really good year. It's the kind of numbers that like Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott could flirt with year in, year out right now. It's great, but it's just, it's not like this 50 touchdown craziness that Mahomes would do. It's not this, you know, oh my God, 5,100 yards or something that somebody like Drew Brees would do. It was just a really good year and a Kyle Shanahan, they go all the way to the Super Bowl and we know what happens. So um, I, I look at him, 
as the NFC Philip Rivers. Rivers and Ryan were almost the identical player, very different personalities, but almost the identical player. And those guys who were just like, hey man, you know, you're a tier two guy and God bless you. And you can ride a tier two thing for 15 years if you're a professional and you keep yourself in shape, which he did. Um, it's like, I don't think Matt Ryan is gonna be terribly missed in the league, <laughs> but he was really good for a long time and occasionally great. And uh, that's it. I think he'll be a good broadcaster. I really do. And I think he's done. I wish he hadn't done the Colts year. But he was always that guy who was very good, who was just, he was never going to be Peyton or Rodgers or Brady. And then on the tail end, he was never going to be Mahomes. But man, he could run the offense for you. He can go up and down the field here and there. And um, I don't know. It's like my NBA comp for him, I'll go back to the Jordan era because I've been doing that the whole show. Matt Ryan's NBA comp is Clyde Drexler. Just a, a, an excellent player. Class act. Uh, organizational guy, but you know, not not Jordan certainly, and not even Carl Malone, not a Tim Duncan. He's not one of those all-time greats. And uh, look, there will be a Hall of Fame discussion for Matt Ryan. Believe me, in this, this today's climate of Hall of Fame, it will come in, and people will make the case, and they'll say, "I don't know, look at this." And when you put up his final rankings in terms of passing yards and uh, touchdowns and all that, it's really compelling. He won four playoff games ever. Ever. So, good guy. I may run into him working at CBS, and I will shake his hand because I really respect him. That's the legacy. It's a lot of me saying the same things, but it is complicated. How do you succinctly say what Matt Ryan was, other than to say, really good player. That's it. Yeah, it almost makes you feel bad for the likes of him, for the likes of Philip Rivers. But when you look at the quarterback position as a whole, you're going to have a lot of these B quarterbacks, and it almost makes you want to look into the future and look at the Cousins and look at the Dax. And are we going to have oh. the same conversation in five, ten years when those guys retire if they haven't won a Super Bowl? Uh, it's a it's mm -hmm. a weird position, and only a few guys actually get out on top. Moving on and away from football. Uh, we've spoken about it on the show before. This summer will mark the Broadway premiere of the Back to the Future musical. But that's yeah, not the yeah. only classic film that will be represented on The Great White Way this summer. The Shark is Broken, a stage play about the making of Jaws, will begin previews in July. It was co-written and stars Ian Shaw, the son of the late Robert Shaw, who played Quint. Oh, cool. It, it is a comedy, mostly, a behind-the-scenes look at the three main actors in the film and their difficulty shooting the film with, among other things, the mechanical shark malfunctioning. Kyle, will you be going? Look at that character. That's a picture? He looks exactly yeah. like him. And that's his son? That's his son. Oh, that's awesome. Ah, uh, shark's got black eyes. I got Dallas eyes. I'd love to go to this. It's, it's an, an amazing concept. If you know anything about the making of Jaws, the shark was called Bruce, and it was the biggest piece of junk, and it almost ruined the movie, ruined Spielberg's career. It just, it, it, you, th you see the movie, it opens its mouth, it goes for, for Quint, and like, they, they spent days, weeks, months in the hot, like, Nantucket summer just with this thing sinking, floating, breaking. Somehow the real miracle was they made it work. So I thought, I didn't know anything about this. I, when when I, I heard there was a Jaws mu musical, I just thought it was based on the Richard Dreyfuss character and Roy Scheider and all that. It's a great idea. Shark is Broken is a great title. The fact that they have Shaw's kid playing the same character is fantastic. Now, I'm sorry, Flint, did you say, is it... Is this a musical or a play, do you know? No, it, it is not a musical, it's a straight play. Uh, mo mostly comedy was what was in quotes, uh, but it premiered in London, I believe last year, uh, and was very uh, well-received criti critically. So I, 
think it should be, uh, it's an interesting concept. Uh, it's I'm a great concept. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm into that. I saw, yes, the answer is yes, I would go. I would much, I would rather go to Back to the Future because I like musicals a little bit more and I like Back to the Future a little bit more, but I know a lot about Jaws. Um, I wrote one of, part of my college senior thesis had to do with Jaws and I know a lot about the background that went into it and then how much they changed the ending. And at the end, when Roy Scheider shoots the scuba tank that's in the, jaw, the shark's mouth, Peter Benchley, the author, is like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Why, we, we can't have the ending like that. Spielberg said, I don't care. We need something big. We need the shark to blow up. But that was after months of trying to get the shark to work. So I'm in, I'm in on what is called the shark is broken. It's kind of yep. a new take on jump the shark, which is all kinds of fun. I'm into it. Yeah, that's right up your alley. Uh, finally, we love doing social call-outs and the tweets and the comments sure. that we get on this show's Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube pages, but we really love voicemails. That number, 2524-BRANT, yeah. always open. You can literally say anything at any mm -hmm. time. One caller chimed in over the weekend, and they must be a very right. faithful viewer. Take a listen. I, so I need to say anything because this has been bothering me. I listen to your show every day. And, and I feel like we need to clear the air about something. And it's it's, it's about the equivalent of, of Roseanne suddenly having a new Becky and nobody knows what happened. What happened to Pepper? We've never talked about it. He's, he, I think he's gone. I don't Is he gone? I, I just, it bothers me and I want answers. Should, should okay. we say the, the real uninteresting reason that he's not here or should we make something fun up? I'm not sure there is an interesting reason, but uh, Flynn, I'll let you handle this. Let me contextualize it. What the caller's talking about is Sam Pepper, who at the onset of this show back in September, did what Flynn is doing now amongst other things and was present on the air, on camera, everything. And then I guess we never really explained it. He was just gone and then Flynn's been doing it ever since. So what would be your explanation? Because that viewer demands explanations. My explanation would be Sam Pepper worked his tail off getting this show off the ground and getting your basement set up, uh, all at the same time working on a million other projects at Omaha Productions, including uh, Bob Meyer's podcast of the Golden State Warriors, the Manning cast, nice. Pro, Pro Bowl, all those things. So he's still around and offering uh, both commentary and criticism of the show regularly. Uh, you're just stuck with me now, Kyle. That's Flynn's nice way of putting it. The truth is, it wasn't working out. And it's like Stuart Townsend was playing Aragorn in Lord of the Rings for a while, and they're like, this is not working. Get Vigo in here. It's the same thing with Eric Stoltz. <laughs> it's just, I'll go back to Spielberg. Spielberg was like, I don't know. It's, it's supposed to be funnier than this. This Eric Stoltz isn't funny at all. They had shot for six weeks with Stoltz. Get him out of here. Get McFly in and start all over. Flynn is going to tell you that it's because he's so busy with a variety of podcasts and offering constructive criticism. I don't know what the criticism is, Pepper. You don't come to me with any of that. But we had to make a recast. We, it wasn't working, and you can either keep making it work or you just say, fold the chips, and then Flynn comes in, and it's clockwork. That's the real reason. No, we love Sam Pepper here in the basement, and I wouldn't be surprised if sometime he makes a, another appearance in Brant Awareness. You never know. We might surprise you one day. I remember one of the first conversations I had with, with Pepper, I was like, on the air. And I was like, so were you discouraged from being in the medical field as a kid? Because you'd be, you know, you'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then also in the military, because then I'd be a sergeant. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry, if your last name's Pepper, I got to get my Dr. Pepper and double down with my Sergeant Pepper. 
he wasn't thrilled with that. I think that was the beginning and the end of our relationship. So Flynn says he'll be back someday. I'd love to have him. We can rebuild that bridge. He's trying to tell you some sort of superficial love. It was a terrible, terrible breakup of, um, he was very talented. I just couldn't, I couldn't hang with him. He was too sophisticated <laughs> and brilliant. So we had to bring in Flynn and he and I are like that. That's the answer. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's the answer, but we'll leave it there. <laughs> if you have any other staffing questions about Kyle Brandt's basement, 252-4-Brandt. 252-4-Brandt. Thank you for your call, sir. And thank you for your service, Flynn. Thank you very much. Uh, we will see you and talk to you tomorrow. And I'm ending the show. I can't do the dart thing today. I got to run. I have to go to the bleeping dentist and I have to be there. I mean, my dentist is very close, but I have to be there in 15 minutes. So thank you guys. Love you guys. Tweet, subscribe, like, post, uh, review, any other thing you can do to help spread the word, the ultimate word. And I thank you, my co-host and um, Sam Pepper, somewhere up there in that Kyle Brandt's basement in the sky. Uh, we respect you and we shout out to you. In the meantime, we'll be back tomorrow. Don't miss it. Watch it, listen, do all the things you do. Exit through the garage, close the door on your way out.